Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and it's Monday, the day of the week that we read back some messages that you have sent in to the show. Uh, Rob, do you want to get us started today with this message from Daniel? This one actually, uh, in, a, in a rare uh, cameo, comes from the Facebook module, and it's in response to some previous listener mail about the vegetable lamb of Tartary. Yeah, yeah. The Stuff to Blow Your Mind discussion module. You can look that up on Facebook and request to join if you want. Um, and I, I'm going to see about getting that added to the the iHeart listing for our website. I was just noticing that, that some other um, podcasts uh, in our network have additional links on there. It's like, hey, we can throw some stuff on those links. Why not? Hmm. Uh, but anyway, Daniel writes, um, R.E. colon, the listener mail mentioning eventually grown meat cultured from human celebrity tissue. Cage steaks. Yes. Daniel writes, it comes up in Antiviral from 2012. Not the main plot hook, more as background world building, but exactly what is suggested. Fans buy steaks grown from their idol cell samples to be close to them. Daniel continues, had never heard of the film before, just happened to spot it on my local public library's DVD shelves last week and noticed it was written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg and wondered how much like his dad's movies his would be. Quite was the answer. Nice. I had no idea this existed. I also don't think I knew 
that David Cronenberg had a son who was also a filmmaker. Yeah, I uh, I knew that this existed, but I just I hadn't watched it. Um, I, I, not that I wasn't interested, but uh, but it, it it is good to hear that uh, the Cronenbergs don't fall too far from the Cronenberg tree. It's a weird tree. Speaking of the uh, the film collections at public libraries, I have a very weird memory. There was a period where I was. Uh, I had figured out, whoa, I can save money instead of like uh, looking for scratch DVDs at the local used book and, and CD store. Uh, I can save money by renting DVDs from the library for free, but their selection was so odd. I remember <laughs> there being a shelf that uh, the main items that caught my attention on it were discs for Inland Empire, uh, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and Flubber. <laughs> You know, I don't remember ever renting a, a movie from the library, public library, but I remember they had them. And I do have family members to this day who I think get most of their movies from the public library, which, uh, yeah, I mean, go for it. Why not? Libraries are great. Now, on the, the issue of Brandon Cronenberg, however, uh, I can't help but think that, uh, that that David Cronenberg was being a little bit of a hypocrite, just naming his son a normal, boring name like Brandon when he yes. comes up with such uh, remarkably creative, weird names for characters in his movies. Yes. Why was his Why was his child not named like uh, uh, Fleshly Rector Cronenberg <laughs> or something? Yeah. Why not? All right. This next message comes from Cindy, also about vegetable lamb of tartary, adding to the long chain of responses we've got about people eating raw potatoes. Cindy says, my first time writing in. I often have the urge to write in while listening to an episode, but I usually procrastinate until I forget. Luckily, the raw potato topic has come up in two listener mails in a row, so I had no excuses this time. One of my favorite dishes at Angelo Pietro, a Japanese-style Italian restaurant in Honolulu, Hawaii, is their raw potato salad. Hmm. And she includes a link to a photo, which looks to me, I've never had a raw potato salad, but just uh, in a low-res photo, it looks kind of like a shredded daikon salad, you know, just like strips of, of white vegetable matter, apparently dressed and covered in some herbs. Cindy goes on. The link describes the dish and provides a recipe directly from the restaurant. The shredded potato salad is definitely served raw. It is crisp and delicious and readily takes on the flavor of the dressing. I've had it many times during my visits and when I lived there, and I don't recall any gastrointestinal upset after consuming it. So maybe uh, Cindy's here to put fears to rest about uh, uh, too many worries about uh, upset stomach after eating raw potato, assuming mm -hmm. it's not greening and full of solanine. Cindy goes on, Unfortunately, the article does not provide the origins of the dish. My Googling did not turn up any information on whether it's a specialty of either Japanese or Italian food culture. The only thing similar that I can think of is Sichuanese, um, I'm going to try to say this, Chang Ban Tuso Si, a spiced shredded potato salad where the potatoes are briefly blanched or stir-fried to lightly cook them and keep them crispy and crunchy before being dressed. It's usually served cold. Since this is not an American food culture thing, uh, crisp or raw potatoes as a vegetable, I thought a different perspective was interesting. Anyway, keep up the wonderful work. I truly enjoy all of the episodes, be they science or myth-heavy. They keep my brain working and continuously learning. Thank you, Cindy. Oh, well, I had to look up this uh, restaurant. I don't, I'm not planning to, to be back in Honolulu anytime soon, but uh, it looks great. It looks like a place I'd, I'd love to check out. 
Uh, Sichuanese food is one of my favorite kinds of food, but I've never, I've read about this uh, shredded potato salad before, but I've never tried it. And I, I, I would very much like to, maybe I'll have to figure out how to make this at home. I have been working on my ability to make Sichuan cuisine at home because I found a an online market that sells a lot of good ingredients you need, like the the Sichuan peppercorns and the uh, and the zatsai and stuff like that. Yeah, you were telling me about this. Yeah. All right, our next bit of listener mail is in response to a Monster Fact episode about world turtles. Uh, specifically, uh, we uh, we led in that episode with it being about um, a Pokemon that is a turtle uh, with uh, like a forest on its back. Uh, but uh, ultimately, is it Squirtle? Is it the one Pokemon I know? No, no, it's oh. it's Torterra. It's not Squirtle, though. Uh, the Squirtle's great too. This one's like an enormous turtle with uh, generally depicted as having uh, like a tree growing out of its um, uh, the top of its shell, like a forest on its shell. Nice. Yeah. And they are featured in the um, uh, the entertaining motion picture uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. When you get around to seeing that one, Joe, does that one have the baby Pikachu in it? Um, I don't remember seeing the the baby Pikachu uh, Pichu in that movie. Though my son says that he was there, or we saw one in a cutscene or something. I don't know. Uh, he does not factor <laughs> heavily into the plot. Anyway, this listener was writing in in regard to some of the. Um, the more pop culture references to this idea of a world turtle, a turtle that is uh, upon which the world is placed or, uh, you know, there are various versions of this. And anyway, Mike writes in and says, when you were talking about examples of mythological turtles with the world on their back, I immediately thought of Maturin from Stephen King's books. In it, Maturin is a, it's a force of good that opposes Pennyworth. Pennyworth? Pennywise. Pennywise. Uh, Is this confusing with Alfred from Batman? <laughs> I, I well, uh, I, yeah, I'm sure Mike means uh, Pennywise. Uh, and in the Dark Tower series, Maturin exists as a mythological character for the people of Midworld. The main character in the Dark Tower series tells the others about a poem from his childhood. Quote, see the turtle of enormous girth. On his shell he holds the earth. His thought is slow, but always kind. He holds us all within his mind. On his back all vows are made. He sees the truth, but mayn't aid. He loves the land and loves the sea, and even loves a child like me. Thanks for the show. It's always entertaining and educational. <laughs> well, you know, um, this is a great point. I forgot all about... Um, the world turtle from uh, Stephen King's dark tower. And also it, yeah, it does show up in it. It's been a very long time since I read that, but there's all that yeah additional stuff that I don't think made it into the movies about the, the ritual of Chud and the, 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 the world turtle and so forth. I think that's one of those books that must be pared down, even if made into multiple movies or a four hour miniseries. Yeah. I did really enjoy the, uh, the, the first of the two recent, I, I in general, both, film adaptations of it i like the first part and wasn't crazy about the second part yep yep i'm pretty much right there you know who directed the tv miniseries of it the original one with tim curry oh yeah they tie into uh something we we were watching oh it's tommy lee wallace director of halloween three season of that's the Witch. right that's right well there's some great stuff in that um in that in that old uh the first part of the old uh miniseries version of it that came out in 1990 Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. 
Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
Okay, Rob, you ready for this one from Lurch? Oh, yes. Let's hear from Lurch. Okay, this is an uh, about an old episode on tidally locked planets. Lurch says, good morning, gentlemen. I am interrupting my driving out here in the back of beyond to offer some thoughts on a very old episode. I apologize for not being very specific. I listened to it months ago and just don't remember the title, but it's been percolating in the dark recesses of my mind ever since. At the end of the episode, you asked for listener input on what we thought the weather might be like on a relatively Earth-like planet if said planet was tidally locked to the local star. Uh, and, and a quick reference, tidal locking means that uh, the, the planet's rotation has become synchronous with its orbit around something, either mm. around a planet or around a star. So the same side of the planet always faces into the, uh, into the thing that it's orbiting. Yeah, so like if, if it was an Earth-like world, it would mean that one side of the Earth, it's locked in perpetual daylight and the other side perpetual darkness. Yeah, Earth's moon is tidally locked with the Earth, so the same side of the moon is always facing the Earth. You never see the far side of the moon, mm -hmm. unless from like a spacecraft photo. Right. Lurch goes on to say, if said planet was tidally locked to the local star, I don't think it would be Earth-like for very long, geologically speaking, once it stopped rotating. In relatively short order, there would be a continuous windstorm racing at hundreds of miles per hour or faster from the dark side to the light side, then rising as the air warms near the center of the sunlit face, before racing back to the night side where it cools and sinks to ground level and flows sunward again. The airflow cross-section would look rather like a stretched-out rubber band, but it's a mistake to think it would be that simple. The surface of a planet is not really homogenous. Some places will warm more and faster than others. This would twist the wind flow. Eventually, there would be a ginormous cyclonic storm centered at the most sunward point in the hemisphere where all the shrieking winds will eventually run out of room and fountain up towards space, driven by the mass of air coming up behind. As the air races to the sunlit side, it will soon scour away anything in its path. Even mountains will be erased in a few million years. When the mass of the air piles up, it will slow and drop most of the dust it's been carrying. As the mountains uh, elsewhere erode, a new single mountain comprised of their dust and bones will grow and take shape at the center of the sunward vortex. Eventually, it will make Olympus Mons, the, the biggest mountain on uh, Mars, look like an anthill. The dark side is not without its call to tourists, though. Just as on the day side, uneven ground temperatures will set up a hemisphere-spanning vortex as the air being pushed from the hot side cools and sinks. Instead of a mountain of dust and debris, though, the water carried by the air will condense and freeze, leading to another mountain of ice, not stone. It seems to me this mountain will probably be smaller than the daylit one. I think it likely that much of the water will continue to cycle from the cold side to hot, then back again. Somewhere near the Terminator, and that would be the, the border between the lit side and the dark side of the planet, uh, liquid water runoff from the ice sheet will flow sunward, carrying sediment and dust that got blown to the cold zone. Eventually, the streams and rivers will vanish as the wind whips the surface of the water to a froth and carries the spray away on another cycle. At either weather pole, the lightning display would be phenomenal, given the amount of static electricity that would be generated by the winds. 
Life could even survive on such a planet, though I'm of the opinion it would by necessity be small. Too much cross-section and the winds would tear it apart, whether it be a dirt dweller or airborne. Bacteria and the like, yeah. Subsurface marine life, yes. Even something like coral capable of building small, low-lying shelters might work. Tardigrades would probably call it an amusement park, with a heck of an e-ticket ride. Uh, but I doubt anything bigger than a quarter could cut it. Maybe at the relative center of the vortices. And I'm pretty sure the atmosphere wouldn't freeze out, not so long as the star provides enough heat to drive the weather engine. Of such things does the occasional truck driver ponder on the long highways. Thank you for taking the time to read this. Thanks for easing my days, Lurch. Oh, well, thanks, Lurch. This is a great email. Um, uh, and it lines up somewhat with, uh, with, with hypothetical scenarios I've read in the past. It's been a while, so I forget some of the details. But uh, yeah, th- this seems to line up mostly with the kinds of things I've read people describing about what a planet like that might be like. Though, I wonder how far away a planet can be from a star and, and be tidally locked to that star. I would think that tidal locking, I think, tends to happen when... Uh, things are closer to the thing they're orbiting. And of course, as a rocky world gets closer to its, uh, its host star, there's, there's a greater and greater chance that its atmosphere is just blown away into space. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is an, this is a much older episode. Uh, I don't remember how old this episode is. It's old enough that I have on occasion recently thought, Hmm, I wonder if that's a topic that we should revisit on the show. Uh, hmm. but after an email this good, maybe we don't have to. Uh, so yeah, bravo, Lurch. Uh, richly imagined, and, and as far as I can tell, mostly pretty physically plausible. If, if anybody in the geophysical sciences wants to chime in and agree, disagree, or expand on this scenario, uh, please write in as well. At any rate, it's a, it's a fascinating topic, and uh, one that's been explored in numerous uh, sci-fi uh, treatments. And, uh, and speaking of science fiction, let's get into a little Weird House cinema. Oh, yeah. Man, we got some messages from people who have more Giver knowledge than I would have imagined existed. Yeah, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised with the amount of uh, Giver uh, uh, feedback we we heard. You know, I wasn't sure if this one was one where uh, I just didn't know what kind of a following the Giver had. Uh, but this one comes to us uh, from Matthias. Matthias says, hey, Robert and Joe, I normally don't listen to the Weird House Cinema episodes because I'm not much of a movie buff, but I happen to be a fan of Guyver. When I saw that episode pop up in my feed, I listened to it immediately. My history with Guyver goes back to when I was a child in the mid-90s. I rented the VHS anime tapes from the likes of Blockbuster and Rogers Video. I don't know Rogers Video. Maybe it's a regional (laughs) thing. Wait, is that a compound? Is it Blockbuster and Rogers Video? No. (laughs) Unless that is a regional thing. At any rate, he says, uh, uh, and I was hooked. Although I'm not sure why my parents allowed me to watch them with all the violence and swearing. When I was older, I discovered the live-action Guyver movie, the one you guys watched. And it wasn't until my late teens when I showed the movie to my friends that I discovered Mark Hamill is, in fact, not the Guyver. As a kid, (laughs) I knew Mark Hamill was Luke Skywalker, but I didn't understand that he looked that way in the 70s, and this movie was from the 90s. (laughs) I then associated the person that looked the closest to Luke Skywalker as Mark Hamill. It's something my friends and I still laugh about to this day. So he thought that the young guy in the movie, uh, what's the character, Sean or whatever, the blonde boy, Mm -hmm. that was Mark Hamill, when really Mark Hamill is this mustache man. 
That's interesting because we we speculated, and it's been speculated by others as well, of course, that this is what the filmmakers intended. They're like, oh, well, Mark's too old to play this character. Can we get somebody who kind of looks like Mark Hamill to play this part? Uh, the kids won't know the difference, and lo and behold, uh, it seems to be the case. Right, so we have his name on the box, and that'll get you in there, and then you just assume it's this guy. Yeah. Now, Matthias shares a lot of excellent um, information about the Guyver franchise, including various clips. And I will assure you, Matthias, I looked at these. Uh, there's one where you pointed out that there's a great fight scene in one of the animes, and I, I did check that out. I'm always game for some sort of a great, weird uh, alien versus dude in alien costume suit. Uh, but I'm not going to go through all of these tidbits just because I don't know how I don't know how deep the thirst is uh, for most listeners when it comes to uh, to the Giver, but uh, here's here's one thing uh, that Matthias shares about the sequel Giver Dark Hero. Quote, the live-action sequel, Guyver Dark Hero, took itself a lot more seriously than its prequel, but is entertaining enough if you wanted to kill time. There's a lot more superhuman martial arts that goes on, while Sean, now David Hayter, well-known as the voice of Solid Snake, searches for information on Kronos, the Guyver, and the aliens that created the Guyver unit. I don't think it's meme enough to warrant a Weird House Cinema episode. What do you mean by meme <laughs> At any rate, Matthias shares some more tidbits from the, the Guyver universe, and uh, I, I enjoyed learning more about it. Uh, but also ends with, I don't want to bomb you guys with too much Guyver lore, so I'll leave it at that. Thanks for the episode. It was fun. Matthias. And the Guyver males do not stop, because <laughs> next we've got one from Devin. Devin says, hello, Rob and Joe. I've been a fond listener of your podcast for several years now, but have not been moved to write in till now. With two Weird House Cinema episodes touching on pieces of my teenage life, and stray mentions of the movie version of my favorite book, I decided the time is now. I was a large anime geek in the 90s, as was the style at the time, and was a fan of both the uh, Zayram's anime counterpart, uh, Zayram was another movie we did uh, about an alien and a bounty hunter uh, and the Guyver anime to hear you both talk about these series brought me into a rabbit hole of nostalgia while I don't have much to add to the Zayram discussion the Guyver discussion I can shed some light on Guyver's anime only lasted 12 episodes covering the Kronos Japan arc from the manga this is the same plot that the first movie roughly covers. While condensing and Americanizing the plot, some of the broader strokes are intact with a PG-13 schlock coating to cover the disturbing gore of the anime series. Guyver was an attempt at a dark tokusatsu series, as at the time traditional tokusatsu was on a bit of a decline in Japan, and late 80s and early 90s anime and manga were being pulled in a dark, violent, and sexual direction. As such, combined the style of other popular dark body horror anime, they did their own spin on the tokusatsu hero. This is why the original Guyver had the coloration of Ultraman. Hey, Ultraman uh, from uh, what was the movie we did? Uh, Hanuman and the Seven Ultraman. Mm hmm. Devin goes on, uh, and many features reminiscent of Kamen Rider, a still very popular tokusatsu series. Uh, these are the ones that are uh, much more directly similar to the Power Rangers. Right. Devin writes, What caught me most about this film was that it tried to keep most of the creature design and translate it to rubber suit monsters. You can actually draw parallels between some of the monsters in the manga and those in the American movie. 
This, plus a number of details and dedication to the gross Cronenbergian aspects that were a staple of the original. In fact, I remember that the second movie actually tries to retcon in a lot of information and characters left out of the first movie, such as the second Giver unit, oh boy, uh, that is damaged and working for Kronos, the Kronos Corporation. Mm. Something tells me that Screaming Mad George was actually a fan of the original source material. Uh now, uh, there's this more of this email that I think we don't have time to get into today where uh, Devin goes into great detail about the movie of The Last Unicorn, which we may come to someday. Um, but uh, but I think we'll have to leave it there for now, though I have to share Devin's transition, uh, which is uh, saying, now that we have eaten the meat we slapped together, let's take <laughs> a slightly more wholesome turn. <laughs> very, very well done. Yes. And I do appreciate the the the, the additional tidbits about the last unicorn. Uh, it's been been a while uh, since I read that. And actually, when I think back, I think I only read the first half to my son, and then we had to return the book to the library. Uh, but uh, the book the book was pretty uh, pretty good as well. I definitely read up through uh, the end of the cycle with uh, with Mommy Fortuna, uh, who is wonderfully voiced in that by Angela Lansbury, uh, great great witch voice. <laughs> And really, that's the I think that's the best part of the whole. That's the best part of the movie too, the first half, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, well worth checking out. All right, we're going to go ahead and close up the mailbag on this episode, but we will be back uh, with more listener mail in the future, some Monday in the future. You will uh, check the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast feed, and lo and behold, there will be a new episode of Listener Mail. And then following that, on a Tuesday, there will be a core episode of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, followed by a Monster Factor and Artifact, followed by another core episode on a Thursday, followed by a Weird House Cinema on a Friday. That's our time to set aside most serious concerns and just talk about a weird film. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other to suggest a topic for the future or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.